Hey everyone, before we dive into today's episode, I wanted to let you know that I created a new fun little resource for you. If you've been here before, you know that I love creating stuff in Canva and I also love reading and listening to books. And what I created is my ultimate guide to my top four books related to creativity and healing that I wish I would have read in grad school. So I called it the Innovative Therapist Book Guide. It's totally free. It's going to guide you through my top four books. I bet maybe one you'll be expecting, but I bet some of the other ones you'll be pretty surprised about. So uh, yeah, I'd love to hear what your guesses were and what you ended up thinking of my top four books that I'd recommend you read. If you want to think outside the box, think innovatively about human relationships and how we can heal ourselves and heal the world. So grab it for free at drhondorp.com forward slash books. That's D-R-H-O-N-D-O-R-P.com forward slash books. And I can't wait to hear what you think. All right, let's dive into the episode. All right, welcome back to the Motivation Made Easy podcast. We have a very special guest today, um, and I'm really excited to introduce you to her and her work and also hear more about her story. Um, So we got a lot to dive into today. Um, Welcome to the podcast, Pooja Aurora. So glad to have you here. Thank you, Sean. Thank you for having me. Yeah, you got it. So I'm going to read a little bit of your bio um, because it's going to, I think, provide a bit of a framework for our discussion today. And we're going to get to learn more about how you got to doing this amazing work that you do. So Pooja has been a student of spiritual healing practices for over 18 years. She's worked with over 800 clients, including celebrities, which is kind of fun, (laughs) CEOs, government officials, clients of all walks of life and every age group. Through their work together, her clients discover their deepest self-love and most abundant lives. Uh, Her journey into art and science of healing began at a young age, She's always been fascinated with the mind and its ability to create our reality. In her 20s, she began experiencing debilitating stomach pain. And after spending years and thousands of dollars on doctors to find the cause and cure, she turned to past life regression was cured after two sessions, which is pretty incredible. We're going to dive back into that. We're going to come back to that story because I need to know more. Um, She has uh, several areas of specialization Pain management, sounds like you've gotten some really pretty incredible results where pain has resolved for people. They've been able to cancel surgeries, which is pretty amazing. Also, body image and weight-related concerns or weight management. This is something we're going to talk about today, given, you know, my expertise and, you know, the interest of our listeners. Um, So, yeah, that's something that you've shared. You have your own challenge. have you know, navigated your own challenges with body image, um, and some found some really helpful strategies. So we're going to dive into that. And I love, you know, just what you say here, which is knowing and accepting that healthy doesn't always mean skinny has been a game changer for you. It sounds like, and also many of your clients, is that right? Yes. Yes, definitely. And yeah, you've worked with people navigating challenges, like things like divorce, anxiety, um, things for, kiddos as young as five. So you've really worked with a lot of different people. Um, You have a bunch of certifications, many in 20 20 different healing modalities, which uh, I know you and I laughed in uh, my my experience or my session with you because I was like, I have I'm really into getting letters after my name to make me feel more worthy. But you're you kind of blew me out of the water. So you've been certified in Um, EFT, emotional freedom technique, which we're definitely going to touch on today. Um, NLP, so that's neuro-linguistic programming, correct? Right, yes. Um, Hypnosis, and then you can uh, refer to the show notes for the vast (laughs) list of certifications. (laughs) I'm not going to read all of it because we'd be here all day. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, so and when and the final thing that I'll read is that your clients experience deep transformation, which they have described as anything from life transforming to life saving, which is pretty incredible. Um, and then witnessing people rediscover their innate talents, superpowers, and strengths is what drives you to continue 
your work as a spiritual healer. So it's quite the bio. Um, welcome, <laughs> Pooja. I'm so excited to dive more into this because um, as I was kind of mentioning before we hit record, um, I do and always have had very skeptical parts about anything that's outside of the Western psychology training that I've been brought up with. And yet um, I listened to a podcast in grad school that, you know, talked a little bit about EFT, emotional freedom technique, NLP. Um, And that was one of the podcasts that was most helpful to me. I would say I still was very skeptical at that time. Um, But I guess what I'm saying is I have parts that are really open. And especially after experiencing a session with you and hearing some of the people that have worked with you, I think that makes me even more open. And, and I have some skeptical parts of me that I'm bringing into the discussion too. So um, we're welcoming all of those parts and just going to have a cool discussion today. Um, But I would love if it's okay with you to start and tell us, can we dig in a little bit more to your story? I know I I gave the highlights, but I would love to hear more how, especially about that story about like spending all this time and money trying to resolve it. Was it stomach pain? And then experiencing so I so you know I um, had moved to US in 2007 uh, after I got married and uh, at the time it was a huge transformation for me because I went from uh, having a full-time corporate job to being a homemaker which in my dreams I had never imagined because uh, my father especially was always about you know you need to have your own education you need to be independent so I went from that mindset, like I started earning when I was 16 to being a homemaker at 27 and, you know, asking somebody, can I have $5 for an eyebrow? Like that was Mm. taking every bit of, you know, my self-esteem. It it was difficult in the beginning. And my husband is an amazing man. It's not that Mm. he was saying no. It was my mind thinking that how can I do this to myself? And looking back, I realized that, you know, uh, a lot of stress that, I was going through internally was causing my indigestion and endless stomach infection. Like I tried everything. I was introduced to alternative healing when I was about 20 because I was going through my CPA finals in India and um, the result for those exams is like 2%. So somebody introduced me to uh, Reiki uh, and said, you know, this will help you calm down. So even though I was trained to be an auditor, I experienced it. I loved it. And I was like, yeah, I really felt different. So Mm. by the time I got married, I was a Reiki teacher myself. Mm. And I did Reiki and I did everything. Nothing seemed to help. And at the time we were just, you know, we had no family here. Uh, So my husband was like, you know, why don't you go back and figure this out? It was just the two of us. And I went and on the plane for, you know, now I look back, it was all meant to be. I read an article about past life regression. So my auditor self was like, this cannot be possible. Like how Mm -hmm. can something that happened a lifetime ago, first to believe that there is another lifetime. um, That was, uh, you know, asking me a bit too much of me. And Mm -hmm. then when I read about it and I was like, okay, but you know, I have tried everything at this point. So why not? So Mm -hmm. I land in Delhi and I look for a past life regression therapist and I found one. And before I know it, like I had two sessions with her and my infection that I was struggling went away. So I was amazed. And of course, you know, this was something really new for my mind to accept that is this possible. And so when I came back, I was like, I want to learn this. Uh, And at the time, you know, uh, uh, there was a lot of visa restrictions for immigrants so my husband was on a work visa, but I being on a dependent visa, I did not have visa to work in a, you know, in a normal job. So like, I'm going to use this time to train myself into things that have fascinated. So that's mm-hmm. how it all started. So my first mm-hmm. certification was past life regression. And, uh, and I had, you know, <laughs> a client just because at the time I was looking for guinea pigs, like who firstly, I had to trust that this was real. And then I had to find people who would trust me to let them experience the sessions, right? Yeah. And we we were in California at the time, so it was quite progressive. So I found people who were open. And um, But then I had a client who had migraines from the time she was five. And uh, during the session, she found out that 
you know she was um, shot in the head during the world war and the migraines went away so after the hmm. session so i'm like this so thing, the idea is like past truth. life yeah like that her past life it, it, she experienced something interesting so okay so the idea of a past life is that you know sometimes if there's an unresolved trauma by which you transition to death in the previous life and that trauma doesn't get resolved or you die of certain things that were unresolved you pretty much in this life create similar inherit them and you your body starts your soul cells start showing symptoms at the same, similar age of the previous life hmm. so once you are able to access that information from your subconscious mind you get to resolve them so it's it's very powerful uh, but uh, you know in my experience once i started learning these things i also realized that many people had read the book many lives many masters when they approached me for past life regression so they came up with the notion of it mm. and in the beginning it was interesting for me because i was getting more people to practice <laughs> right but mm. then i also realized that they weren't getting the life long results like i had gotten because mm. they were coming through a conditioned response and not organic so later mm. on in my practice i only offer it when i feel that everything that i know of i have tried and experiment like you know i have tried to create you know some impact or but there is no relief then i suggest and i see people that if are you open to exploring something outside of this current scenario so i stopped just taking clients just for plr who were like curious about it and came with the notion and our mind is brilliant in creating stories so more than you know they would feel momentary relief but it wasn't causing the life changing effects that i experienced myself personally mm so maybe they were sort of i was going to say i could see that work helping it work better but it wasn't leading to a lasting change for many yeah. of them okay. yes so then you did you got a bunch of other certifications. <laughs> when did that? And was that then just my, progressive? Yeah. And then, you know, uh, my twins were born. Like I was within two years of my marriage. Like my work visa came the day of my baby shower. <laughs> so oh I was gosh. pregnant with, heavily pregnant with twins. <laughs> and uh, we have no family in the US. Uh, so my choice, and when we got to know twins and I was like, everything is going to just happen one time with me. Like people can say that, you know, I did not do this with my first child. I did it with my second one. So I was like, you know, everything is just going to happen once with me. So even though it was a difficult choice at the moment, but I said, you know, I do not want to send them to a daycare uh, and go to work because we were living in California. It was expensive and like two kids in the daycare might as well just keep them home plus i really wanted to enjoy them because i knew this was my only chance so i said you know i will keep them home and uh, i will just start, continue to train myself into things that have intrigued me and you know it was like uh, i had seen something and experienced something and i wanted more of it so i think my kids just became the reason for me to <laughs> experience and you know certify myself in different modalities because whenever they napped i trained that is how it went from yeah. there onwards yeah and did you start doing the work as you were going continuing to like try these as you're training so, trying things out yeah and then i started you know advertising that you know um that you know i'm taking uh, i'm offering free sessions and you know when you offer something for free people first there's no liability because you didn't take anything for it i was new i was explore, exploring something new that was still you know my mind was skeptical about somewhere so um it kind of gave me an opportunity i started you know offering free sessions in library uh where i could just have people come in and uh, that led to and then i started seeing more and more results that gave me confidence and then my husband got uh, posted to bangladesh uh, mm-hmm. and we were in a completely different environment but that's where i actually got to experience a lot of my work because um west, people from the west like expat community liked me interested me because i was trained from the us and the locals like me because i was one of them because india bangladesh is very similar to culture the skin and everything so they had that you know trust in me so i got a variety of clients in bangladesh when i was there for almost three and a half four years and that's where i started teaching uh, reiki full time and started doing my work full time 
Okay. Okay. Cool. And can you tell us where your body image journey came into the picture or what that looked like? So body image uh, journey, I would say body image was always there. Mm -hmm. uh, I am from India, uh, where the average height of uh, girls is 5'2 to 5'3. 5'4 is tall. I was 5'7. <laughs> mm -hmm. And uh, mm -hmm. I had an athletic build. My cousins, everybody was like, by default, size 0. Mm -hmm. So it was like from every family function, from every gathering, uh, the first comment I used to be like, oh, you're fat, oh, you're this, oh, you're that. <laughs> so it was, um, I think if I look back to my childhood experiences, um, that, there was more humiliation <laughs> than enjoyment. Um, but, um, and I think that is the conditioned response back home, uh, being bullied, uh, call names, uh, which are disrespectful. Like I, in my home, I don't allow anybody to use the word fat because um, it's a disrespectful word, right? There's a story behind that word for everybody. But I wasn't, uh, you know, exposed to that environment. I had to learn through, you know, navigate through it. So uh, it was almost like, you know, my one cousin was very pretty and the other one was very intelligent. Like I was maybe top five or six in my class but not first. So mm. people used to say, what is she going to do? She's not the pretty one. She's not <laughs> the intelligent one. What are we going to do with her? So I have, you know, memories of conversations where I have overheard my parents sometimes saying, like, will she ever do anything to make anybody proud kind of a thing? Mm -hmm. So those were like early memories. Like when I was like maybe 12, you know, 11, mm -hmm. 11, 12. So um, from that, you know something uh, I realized that I may not be intelligent but I was very hardworking. so I started you know gaining more respect by my academic achievements and uh, that is that is where I started noticing that people started ignoring how I look based on my credentials academically and then I was placed in a very good job and everything so it was like, you know, people got silent about how I looked. And that yeah. was a big challenge Projected for me. First. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, that was a big challenge for me because when my husband married me, uh, his family is also super obsessive about looks. Okay. I wasn't the one fitting the frame even there. So um, he, he was cool about it. Uh, I mean, but I was so insecure about myself that, you know, there was a moment I remember we were just barely a, couple of months into our marriage and I said you are going to leave me and he was like why would I leave you because in my head I'm not pretty my work that gave me respect and validation back home I'm not working now so yeah. why are you going to stick around with me you know so that was a big challenge for me uh, and then my health issues had started happening so I was like there's no way this guy's going <laughs> to stick around and it's going to be it's going to be uncomfortable so uh, challenges, body image, everything, I have struggled a lot till, you know, I met a mentor who really helped me accept me for who I was and started to encourage me to look at myself beyond what I looked to people. So that was the transformative moment for me. And then I was like, how is this possible? Like, how can this be? How can I not look at what I look like? And she was like, you're only looking to what the mirror is showing to you. But you're not looking to what you are as a person, as an energy. And to be honest, in 30 years, I had never thought about it. That, you know, I was something different than my body. I associated so strongly to my body. And uh, now knowing the techniques or knowing what I know now, I know it was not who I was looking to in the mirror. It was all the... Uh, instances and experiences replaying in my head when I looked at myself like I was mm -hmm. it was the trigger because of the memories I had associated with my body image in my mind and uh, mm -hmm. that yeah. was driving the best of us so if somebody feels hesitant to look in the mirror possibly they are replaying uh, you know some of the past in their head and not looking yeah. at them for who they are because going back, if you think of an infant or a child when it's born, it doesn't know shame. 
the child the infant doesn't know shame it's a conditioned response in us it's taught to us it's it's given to us where we feel to fit the frame of how society wants us to be like the girls should be like this this is what you should be and when you are not like anybody else you think that this it's your problem you know yeah. that's that's yeah. what we've been conditioned to believe Hey everyone, are you a therapist, dietitian, or helping professional that works with people with disordered eating or some degree of eating or weight concern? If so, I have a free tool for you that I had way too much fun developing. So if you have clients who say things like, I really like intuitive eating, but ultimately I want to lose weight, or in your opinion, you notice that they have a really hard time not focusing on weight loss and it really gets in the way of them doing the things they want to do or getting in touch with their body, but you're not always sure the best ways to support or guide them because maybe you understand why they want to lose weight, you know, given our culture, um, but you also want to help them build up their ability to trust their body. So maybe you've tried things like empathizing with them, telling them the science about dieting or weight loss, but maybe they're wanting a little more direction from you and you're feeling a bit stuck. So how can you help them explore what's right for them without imposing your own agenda onto them, which tends to backfire? So I created this free step-by-step -step guide to guide you through my favorite exercise, which is based on internal family systems theory or kind of the parts psychology as some people call it. And it helps you help your client navigate this nuanced dynamic that's very personal with the different parts of them that you know, maybe want peace with food, but other parts that still really want to lose weight. This is my number one favorite way to help clients build self-trust while taking the pressure off of you as the provider to know the exact right advice to give or say. So grab this exercise for free, including exactly how to do it at drhondorp.com forward slash parts. That's D-R-H-O-N-D-O-R-P dot com forward slash parts. So grab it for free today. And if you use it with a client, make sure you shoot me an email and let me know. All right, let's get back to the episode. Right. And for you, like so many people, this like not enoughness, not pretty enough, not smart enough was very intertwined too. So when you're looking in the mirror, often probably you're like seeing you're you're all of those condition response are coming up and it's it's about the body and it's not at all right like yes it's, it's so about all these it's memories. about you know getting see it, to heal means uh it, to heal me it doesn't mean that you erase what you experienced mm -hmm. to heal means to feel complete with what you have experienced take the learning desensitize or become neutral to those experiences and apply the learnings in your you know current situation wherever it is it doesn't mean that we are asking to close your eyes to what happened. No, because it's a big part of your story. It has possibly mm -hmm. made you to do certain things that you wouldn't have thought. For some mm -hmm. people, like myself, there was so much shame in being associated to who I was in terms of how I looked. I resolved to extreme hard work to make my academic achievements because that's how I gained respect. So if I say that those experiences didn't help me shape to who I've become, that would be wrong. But yes, I don't carry the trauma of those experiences anymore. That is the gift I gave to myself when I started working on myself and my body image. Yeah. So you mentioned the mentor being really helpful in helping you reframe, but oh, were there specific things for you or kind of turning towards like, I know there's lots of different ways you work with people to heal, right? But if we focus yeah. on this really common not enoughness trigger related to body, body image, right? Because it's so common. Um, what was most helpful to you and what have you seen be most helpful to your clients? So I think, you know, a couple of techniques that uh, helped me the most were NLP, which again, I'm absolutely obsessed with learning more of it. I think I can never get enough of it. Uh, every mm -hmm. time I see a new coach, I'm like, oh, I should have, you know, I should know more. You need uh, to do that training too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, this has been my personal resolution not to sign up for any training for at least six months. <laughs> I totally get it. I love learning too. And yeah, I'm, I'm with you. <laughs> And tapping, uh, it's been mm -hmm. a game changer. And in my experience, mm -hmm. I have seen people like 
tapping gives me an opportunity to witness that profound moment of time where people feel they release their trauma and that one moment that i get to witness so much in my work is so gratifying for me that i continue to do what i do because tapping really helps them have a new narrative to their own story release yeah. the trauma and replace those with healthy beliefs and healthy you know you know definitions about themselves so i think uh, nlp tapping and one analogy that my you know mentor shared with me that stuck with me among all the wonderful things that she did uh, one of that really shared stuck with me was you know treat your body as you would treat your car and she meant in a very uh, respectful way she said when we buy a car we are so you know we are so obsessed with it but as we are obsessed with it we also accept it as a part of our life and you know we get going with it we don't obsess about it every single day we may be obsessed when we are making the decision because it's based on certain parameters for everybody but at the same time you take good care of your car you drive it well you get it for regular maintenance and service and that's about it like you drive your car not thinking that what everybody is thinking about that car on the road being on the road and she was like your soul chose your body as a vehicle to be on this planet and if you can for a moment find in yourself that you know that acceptance that this is what you came for this is you didn't come for to feel embarrassed and humiliated by your body you came to create so much bigger impact living in the body that you have if you love it respect it take good care of it you, you will befriend your body and mm-hmm. if there is if there is a sickness or if there's something manifesting in the body more than likely it's something that you need to resolve within yourself so mm-hmm. if that analogy i think really helped me because i stopped uh, somewhere it resonated so strongly with me that i started believing that yes i do have a bigger purpose than to be 24/7 obsessed about what people are saying about my body or what am i thinking about my body because mm-hmm. the more modalities the more deeper work i did i realized everything is about every person every situation in my life is a projection of how i feel about myself so my internal dialogue is projecting in my outer life and yeah. if i can change that i can change it you know i can have a different reality i don't have to have a reality where everybody is obsessed about my body because i am choosing to not be obsessed about it anymore yeah yeah the empowerment that comes with that but i think also the courage to pursue the work that you feel called to do i think is um it sounds like it's tied with that for you and i think and i think that's just worth pointing out because i think sometimes being obsessed with our body image and our negative body image can be protective against the the courage it takes to look at look inward and say hmm i want to make some different choices and i i know from what i know of you you're very much like willing to do that work even when it's scary and um so i, I think just honoring and i want to get to like the techniques cuz i love that analogy too and i think some people might be like well i, I want to believe that cognitively I'm on board but I think what the EFT tapping does and like I said I got to experience a session with you I want to walk through if you're willing and I didn't I'm springing this on you but like if you're willing to walk through someone who let's just say a common trigger for someone might be they want to love and accept their body right but when they um let's just say they've some weight gain has occurred over the pandemic and they're going back into the office for work and they're seeing um like they're seeing the reflection in the mirror at work or like the window and they're getting really triggered to that shame response and they're all on board with loving and accepting their body they've done all the cognitive work to realize my worth doesn't equal my uh my body is not equal to my worth right i just want to take good care of it and yet there's this deep trauma trigger to a shame response. So what are what might it look like as you're working with someone to maybe maybe do maybe tapping if that's your kind of modality because I know you found that helpful and that's what I experienced with you. I'd love to just give people like a little glimpse into what that could look like. Sure. Uh, so, you know, as um, 
our mind, our subconscious mind is brilliant in recognizing patterns that we have experienced through our lifetime. Uh, it recognizes the familiar patterns and goes and searches more for it because the job of our subconscious mind is to keep us safe. If we have experience with something, that means it's a known. Known doesn't mean necessarily it has to be a positive. And unknown doesn't mean necessarily that, you know, it's something bad, right? But if we have enough experience with shame, then that experience is my go-to. So my subconscious mind will bring up something that reminds me because it's like, oh, this is what you know. This is what you can handle. It's not about pride or being happy or confident. It's like shame is something you've done brilliant. You can handle it. So when somebody would come to me for that, you know, to tap that out, I would say, okay, let's go back. When do you remember that first image or the first experience of where you felt that, you know, you were shamed for the way you looked and more than likely people would, you know, come up with something that happened as a child or something that was very unconscious for others around them, but that made a deeper impact in them. And then that story continued to have more and more patterns because as a child, we retain experiences and we form beliefs. Like if somebody made fun of a dress, we now as adults, we can say maybe they did not have a good choice in fashion, right? But at that time, as a child, we, we agreed that maybe I'm not good looking. Maybe that is why they are, you know, saying dress is just the way they are just pointing at how I looked or how I felt. So I would help them to go back into those moments and release that trauma. And when we release that first incident and also learn what our subconscious really wanted us to learn in that moment, instead we made a belief that I'm not good enough or I'm not beautiful enough. But the belief is like, you, you're strong. You can handle anybody. So when we help somebody to release that trauma and imbibe the new learning, and then bring them into now and say, okay, now you go through that mirror, go walk through that window and see how you feel. 99% of the time people are not able to feel because trauma is not what's happening now. It's when we look, it's the memory, that's the sensory experience that we have retained that was hurtful, that was difficult, but we didn't know how to release that at the time. So that kind of became a part of ourselves that continues to live with us. And, yeah. uh, you know, every time we have a similar experience, that memory gets activated. So we release that. We release the impact that memory created. We neutralize that memory so that when you experience something similar, you do not have a reaction at all because you release yourself from that pattern. Yeah, yeah. I, and I think what this is me. I always like need to understand why things work. And I think you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I think, cause I've done my own personal therapy and I did a session with you, but I think what feels different about the, the tapping specifically experience is we're, we're talking about, and you're getting clarity on a past, you know, difficult moment for me. The one session that I did with you was related to like fear related to my brother being really sick when we were young. And, and it was coming up with my son getting like relatively mild fevers. Right. And I would have this like response that felt really overblown that I knew logically was overblown. So that's what we, we worked on. And I've worked on and talked about that in talk therapy and gotten some clarity. So I think that helped maybe to come into that session. Like, I'm like, I'm ready. I know. And, and you probably were able to help guide that too, but what you're doing is giving, we're doing the tapping and the various like points in the body, but you're giving a lot of guidance and like, I'm saying words that bring up the emotion, but I'm not able to access as much my cognitive analyzing thinking brain in the moment because you're kind of telling me where to go. And I, and I don't know if that's accurate or not, but that was my experience of like where I think it helped me to go deeper, more quickly to that healing place. Um, because when I'm in therapy, I'm sort of being asked like, well, what did you feel at that time? And my thinking part, my thinking part of me comes in and like almost blocks. I get like stuck and I can't go there. Um, whereas our session, that's not what happened. So is that accurate to what you would think is going on or tell, tell me if that's right. So, 
So, you know, um, in NLP, I learned that only 7% of the communication is words. Rest mm-hmm. all is driven by our senses. So what we retain, and I, um, I have uh, taken therapy myself. So, mm-hmm. uh, and very recently I had an experience. It helped me to uh, identify my thoughts. It helped me to, you know, somebody validated out of my friend circle because I have such amazing friends that, if I went to them, they would say, you're right. And I was like, I know, <laughs> but I just mm-hmm. wanted an unbiased opinion about how <laughs> I was feeling about the way things were. Sure. Um, and uh, when I got to have that clarity, then I was able to go deeper within me to tap those things out. Because I had, so yes, as you mm-hmm. said, that you had a good clue about what was happening but yeah. where and how you were experiencing and processing those emotions every time a similar event was occurring in your life, mm-hmm. that was something that we uncovered in our session and we kind of connected those dots. So as I said, you know, our mind goes into patterns and goes and searches for similar experiences. So with tapping, once we get to the root of it, it's almost like we work with the root and the branches fall off automatically that, you know, we are like, no more tied that event or those experiences no more define what I would be feeling in this moment and that I think too and plus something that I do in tapping is uh, you know I use your narrative for your story like I would keep making notes of the words that you have used because your subconscious identifies those words and attaches meanings to those words so I would use your definition to define what you felt and then help you tap so that it feels more personal and mm-hmm. it doesn't feel that it's more, you know, it's more generic. It's just specific to your story and what you've experienced. And that is how, you know, you get the benefit of it. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So it's someone might, yeah, they might be sort of tapping out like that shame response or those old stories that wherever it came from in tying back to that body image piece. And I think that's, you know, sometimes there's some, talk therapy therapeutic techniques that are trying to do better and getting more to the root of trauma and I'm kind of actively training in some of those and I think for the listeners it's really thinking about like yeah there's just different options and they can really complement each other well and I think it's you know psychology historically and I've been part of this we've been sort of snobs about like well this is the best way and this is the and there actually is a lot of research to support you know EFT I looked I looked it up I don't um I'm not super familiar with the research but I did look it up and for some reason psychology is still like sort of again a little snobby about it (laughs) and we don't need to be See, EFT was, you know, uh, created to bring relief to Vietnam war victims, veterans, Mm -hmm. basically, Mm -hmm. who carried so much trauma when they came back that they had sleepless nights, they, they had the most difficult time after what they witnessed. And it was like their body was their energy was living there. Physically, they might have come back, but their mind and energy was stuck in the war field. So when uh, it was created, it was created to bring relief to that extreme uh, trauma and um, it has and I'm so grateful that it happened because it is one of you know there are people who may not believe in hypnosis because sometimes hypnosis for most of the population is like somebody's going to try to make you do things that you do not want to do which is like mm-hmm. totally opposite to it because you're always in control even in a hypnosis session mm-hmm. um, but uh, tapping is like you're sitting you're aware you don't need to be in some, you can be in your own personal space and you can still, you know, you can still be the driver and not yeah. the passenger. So I think that that way, I think it resonates a lot with people because they feel, okay, what is a little bit this going to do? Like what harm, like what can go wrong? And in my experience, mm-hmm. uh, when people come to me, they have almost tried most of the Western things. And when they come back to me, there is that skepticism, but somehow they're also tired or bored of their own narrative. And they are really wanting to have and experience some change. So um, in the session, they are somewhat open. And once that's all I need in a session, if you're open and bored of your old story, we will rewrite it. But uh, mm-hmm. that's why I think it's it's so effective as it has been for my clients. Yeah. Yeah. And we already kind of covered like, 
who this works for a variety of different things. Is there anyone that this is not a, these types of approaches don't work well with, maybe if someone's, like you said, if they have to be a little open. So maybe if they're completely not open, <laughs> but like, would you agree no, with that? Uh, Are there anyone else that you're like, eh, it's not going to be that helpful? You know, I can live with not open because sometimes when yeah. people will say, okay, uh, you know, I recently had a client, she was like, um, this is expensive and this is this. And I was like, you know what? You don't have to pay me if you don't feel better because I know what I do. So I, uh, my, my, my genuine um you know my genuine motive is to provide you relief from what you are going through yeah. but at the same time i've had clients who are stuck in finding blame in their life for their current situation like my husband my wife my my spouse my mother-in-law my this and that and for those people i politely excuse and say you know i'm not the right fit for you because uh, looking within requires courage it is going to, you know, require some perseverance, some courage, and a lot of faith to believe that there is a relief to what you are experiencing. There is a way out of a current story. Yeah. I can be the support who holds your hand and say, okay, this is possible and we'll get to the other side of it. And that is absolutely something. So anybody who is willing to do work, even a little bit, will get immense benefit but i've had clients who were stuck in the narrative that this is happening because my husband does this and my mother like i'm sorry i'm not the right fit for you and i've excused myself so many times from those situations where i've said you know uh, i don't want to waste your time and money but at the same time i want to be respectful of my time and energy where i invest so um, yes yes uh, you feel that this is where it is but I'm sorry for this. I'm not the right fit. And I think that's where it is. If, if somebody's really wanting to blame someone else, then I'm yeah, not the right that fit. That makes sense. Right. If they're too invested in that narrative or that um, way of thinking about it. And they're like, it has to be external that, yeah, I like that. I mean, I think that, and that makes a lot of sense that you're like, yeah, that doesn't make sense to engage in something that's not going to give you a lot of benefit. And, you know, my, oh, when I started, like everybody else, you know, when you start something like a practice or something, initially, I think I was uh, also like many people uh, worried about how many clients did I have, like how much, like I, I, because of my body image, also I had become like a people pleaser, right? Mm -hmm. That I wanted that every client should be happy and everybody, if somebody didn't call me for a second appointment, maybe I did something wrong. I have gone through my own share of those thought processes. But as you mature and as I worked on myself, I realized, you know, they didn't call for the second session because they weren't ready. And now, so when somebody reaches out to me, they would, uh, the general question, the general question is, how many sessions do I need? I'm like, you do you, you may not mm -hmm. need more than one, maybe sometimes one session is all you need to help mm -hmm. you get through what you're currently experiencing. And in six months, eight months, when you're ready for more, come back. Mm -hmm. But initially, I was also, you know, uh, impacted by, um, so I used to take everybody as a client. If somebody called me, I would take. Now I really, you know, put my time and energy and see, is this person really wanting to get out of their thing or they're just doing it because they think it might help or how serious are or how committed they are to this work. And mm -hmm. then I choose wisely. So I think that's something that has shifted uh, as a person in me also. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I think that makes a lot of sense and continuing to do your own work. I want providers who are doing their own work. So <laughs> it's like being able to look at that, right? And and yeah, do you have an, like an average number or like, is it totally a big range of how often people work with you? Number of sessions? Is it, do you have a typical, what does it typically look like? So typically, you know, I have uh, felt in my experience, uh, three to five sessions over a period of three to six months is mm -hmm. what most people uh, take when they are getting to a certain point. Mm -hmm. And uh, most of my work has been through word of mouth. Like, so, and people come back to me after say, sometimes they come after two years and say, you know, I worked with you at that time. It was helpful. Now this is happening. So I, I tell them yeah. that, you know, if you given what you what I ask of you and if I'm 100% committed it's not about the number of sessions it's about the changes that you want to experience and we'll create a map that this is how it looks like and if we both follow what we are supposed to do we will have that impact 
but again it's like no size you know not one size fits all so some people mm-hmm. would take a little bit more and some people are like you know one session is enough i'm good for now and that's yeah. also fine because it totally depends where you are in life what is bothering you how mm-hmm. we can bring relief to it so you can you know expand your horizon and expand your vision and do other things that you desire to do right yeah for sure yeah well in the part of me that loves efficiency is like i want people to know like it's it can be a lot more efficient than talk therapy as much as i do i'm a proponent of and i like talk therapy obviously right um i i think it's also okay to be like we have to look at where we're not as good at at, at, for certain people at getting like the those quicker results and who doesn't like efficient fast results right that's our culture <laughs> we're like give me the best results so um I'm gonna in a moment transition to our motivation questions that we ask at the end but is there anything I know I kind of jumped around with different questions but are there any other things that you really want people to know or take away from this conversation that we haven't covered I think uh, one one thing that I would like anybody who's uh, struggling with body image or any kind of you know self-esteem is about first be kind to yourself be really kind to yourself something that really you know um, made a huge difference in my life was when I started saying no for the things that didn't make sense to me I started no to people I started no to saying no to things or the settings where I didn't feel safe enough or I felt that you know uh, I had to put my foot down I had to be my own advocate for people to treat me with that respect that I deserve so if somebody feels uh, that, you know, their body defines everything for them, the moment they accept their body, they stand up for their body, they love it, accept it, and they start saying no to anything that doesn't feel right for them. And the reason uh, and what doesn't feel right shouldn't be out of impulse. It is like after repetitive, you know, experiences where they feel that in a certain setting or with certain people, they end up feeling more frustrated than happy if they learn to say no to that I think that brings a lot of relief and overall calm and peace in your life mm-hmm. in India you know being raised there we were taught to be subservient females and I was anything but that and it was very difficult for me to say no and I have lost some you know family friendships so to speak on where I could see that this wasn't working well for me, for our family. I was the one to say that, you know, this doesn't work. We are not going to engage. I had to put my foot down on certain things. And yes, I've lost those, but I have also gained such meaningful and lasting friendships that have only happened because I was truthful and honest to myself. So that is something I can say. The more truthful you are, the more courage you show in standing up for yourself is also another way to heal yourself. If, you know, it's not necessarily about taking a session or working with someone. It's like little, little things that you can say and stand up for yourself makes a huge difference. Right, right. The internal work then guides the external work and what you do differently in the world. And then that feeds back to more feelings of, sounds like yeah for you and I can relate to this yeah more freedom more of what you want in your life um so yeah I love that it's important (laughs) and it's I mean and it's it I think speaks to the power of this internal healing work when we're talking about like really persistent negative messages that you got about your body and also persistent cultural beliefs about what women are supposed to be and do right? right and this idea of like you know, I think it's common for people to be like, well, this is what I even, you know, a more mild one for me is like the way my family was around money, right? This idea of like, I have to then be really frugal forever. (laughs) Like I value (laughs) that, you know, some of what I learned from that, but it's idea of like, we do have this freedom of choice um, and we can kind of examine what we want to take and what we don't. Um, you know my my husband is the sweetest man you could ever meet like he is the sweetest because um he he does first of all something amazing I don't know it's because he's a man but he forgets like he forgets how somebody (laughs) said something and that wasn't right or so he's like very forgiving 
So mm-hmm. I think over 16 years, some of my way of saying that we are not going to say yes to this and some of his forgiveness has rubbed on to me and my taking stand has rubbed on to him. So now we, when we invest in relationships or friendships, it's more mutual. It's more because we both feel comfortable and loved and we love our friend. But uh, there have been times where we, and some very few instances where we, agree to disagree and you know I just say I'm not going to be a part of that and he's okay with it but Mm -hmm. was it like this 16 years ago no because he was raised also in the similar culture where wife is supposed to follow what the husband says or believes so it's been a work but now at least we've come to a point where we can make those joint decisions and you know stick to what works for us as a couple also yeah yeah well I love that um well we're shifting gears a little bit to our motivation questions so first is our intrinsic motivation question so what's one thing you have truly intrinsic motivation for you do it for the, from the inherent satisfaction of the behavior itself like you enjoy it find it challenging or satisfying in its own right i think that you know universe or creator or anybody you believe in wants us to live the best life possible So in my work, when I am able to help people to release the barriers of their mind and be ready to experience the best version of themselves. And when I witness that one moment where somebody cannot feel their trauma again or something that they were so tied up and had believed that that was their destiny, so to speak. And when I see that liberating moment, that one moment is so gratifying and, you know, um, powerful for me that I I want to witness it more and I in my work I do get to witness it a lot and that's what keeps me going genuinely yeah I mean I think from we haven't had a ton of interactions but I think that really just shows well first of all I know you know I, I really trust Randy but I think even just in in talking with you it's very clear that you're doing this work for the I, I guess the right reasons I don't know what the right reasons are but like you're doing this work because you truly care about helping people feel better. And I think, you know, I don't have, not that this podcast is like some big thing, but I I am pretty selective about who I bring on because, you know, there's lots of people doing work, but I I think a, you do your own work, but also you can just tell like, that's what you're, you're all about is like, I just want more people to have these tools and have the ability to feel more free. So I love that. And yeah, I'm glad it's intrinsically <laughs> motivating for you because it shows that um, that you really do love your work, which is... And, which you know, as we what? know, both of us know Randy and she has been a huge part of my journey too, like the way she has navigated and I see her and she con- continues to inspire me every single time because she also does her own work and mm-hmm. that is important. I think yeah. uh, that knowing, just having that knowing that, you know, if even one person can get the relief or they know that, you know, whatever is their current situation is not their destiny, they're not bound for it and there is a way out, even uh, one person can get the relief, then this is worth it. Yeah, yeah, I love that. Um, <laughs> our next question is from a should to a choose to. So this is integrated motivation. This is an example of a behavior that was always a should for you that maybe you struggled to do but you've figured out a way to do it more consistently um, because you value it. It's part of your identity, even if you don't necessarily always love doing it. I think that that's something, as I shared earlier, you know, to the ability to say no to things that mm-hmm. don't work because of the culture that I was raised in and the way yeah. I should be around people. Um, now I think as with age, as you mature, you give grace and you try to understand others' perspective. So some of the things, uh, and believe me, my auditor brain is still very active on most times. So mm-hmm. letting go and believing that there is there is a cause for everything that's happening, that has been uh, from my should to, you know, something that I had to do from what I choose to do. And now I invest uh, very wisely of my time and resources and energy. Yeah, smart, well said. And um, a main part of our mission here is to help women in particular reclaim trust with their bodies so they can live more courageous and connected lives. Can you share an example of where um, you, you're living more courageously or building connection that you're proud of? You know, uh, this time, 
my most recent visit to India, I didn't hesitate to do anything that I earlier hesitated, be it with, was uh, dressing up, be it was eating out. Like now, because of the work that I have done on myself, I no longer feel, uh, you know, the victim or, um, you know, captive of the food because I had a sweet tooth. And uh, now I know that where I can stop. I enjoyed everything. I didn't deprive. I just mm-hmm. gave myself permission to feel free. Mm-hmm. And I think if mm-hmm. we just accept that only us are what our body looks and feels like, it is actually only our business. And we stop worrying about the rest of the world. That is the mm-hmm. biggest gift we can give to ourselves. And not worrying about what so and so, this, this. No, you do you. You mm-hmm. go and have fun. You dress up. You do this. I feel more healthy in my 40s than I felt in my 30s because of the choices that I make. Like, I'm, it doesn't mean that I don't educate myself on food or nutrition. I just apply it wisely, you know. Mm-hmm. But that only happened because I started taking accountability for what I am and what I look like. And I stop making it anybody else's problem. I'm looking like this. This is my problem. You don't like it? Don't look. My simple simple response is, you don't like it? Okay, don't look. Like once I had a haircut and my husband was like, why did you cut your hair so short? I said, you can grow yours. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. My my body, my business. (laughs) I, I like it this way. This works for me. I mean, just owning your body, giving that love that you would give as a mother, as a caregiver to anybody, right? Mm-hmm. If we can bring the same level of love for our own selves, even 10% of what we invest into people that we love, even 10% of that, if we can direct towards ourselves, we will feel so much more calm, at calm and peace with our own body. And I think that's something that, I try to do as much as I can. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's such a hopeful message because probably like so much of what you experienced related to your body was growing up in India. Right. So like to go back and have this recent trip, be like, I'm really staying true to myself. I'm giving myself full autonomy and freedom. And I just, yeah, I see the freedom on your, your face. And it's so cool because a lot of people like that's, that's what they want, right. They want to be able to dress in the way that feels right to them and not worrying about how they look or what people will think and they want to be able to go and enjoy food in a way that feels good to their body, whatever that looks like. And, and you know, don't wait for permission from anybody to give you that permission that you can do this. Yeah. Who's anybody like, like why somebody has to give you permission to feel good. Yeah. You feel good with what makes, what feels right to you. Yeah. And once you, you know, identify your right, you will have a good time. <laughs> yeah. Well, great. So where can people learn more about the work you're doing and connect with you? I We will have links to your website and uh, it looks like you have an Instagram, but what's the best way for me, for people to contact you if they want to? Um, you know, you? the best way to reach out to me is through text uh, on my number, which is okay. uh, 832-870-7239. Mm-hmm. Um, I usually try to return all texts within 24 hours and okay. uh, that's the best way to communicate okay great it's sort of like old school in some ways <laughs> so I love that some ways although yeah, it's, so I try. it's not like you know you I've tried uh, getting more tech savvy but I've tried it so many times and I know I'm, I'm not the best at it but I keep trying like sometimes I yeah. get it right so I think you also have to do up. what feels right to you so <laughs> right yeah. so texting is the most easiest way to get through me Awesome. Okay. Well, we'll keep all of that for people. And uh, thank you so much, Pooja. This has been really fun for me getting to know more about the work you do and about you and also just to connect people and make them aware of what you're doing. So thank you for being here. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Sean, for having me. It was totally my pleasure. Thank you. You're welcome. And before we finish today's episode, I have a really quick message from a special guest, my daughter. Please review from a mom's podcast. Make something from a mom's podcast, please. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in today. Your time is valuable, and it means so much to me that you're here. 
Despite the title of this podcast, many of our topics are not always easy. Change is hard, and let's face it, life and truly looking inward at ourselves can be uncomfortable. That's why I'm grateful. Grateful for you and your willingness to listen, learn, and keep an open mind. I invite you to learn more by going to drshawnhondorp.com or finding me on Instagram at psychology.of.wellness. If you're enjoying this podcast, it would be amazing if you could give it a review so more people can find it. Thanks, and I truly hope you have an energetic and inspired day.